Hey, Rockheads. If you haven't already checked out Music to Code By, you really should, especially if you need to focus on anything, like programming. But it's not just good for programming. It's also great for kids doing homework. It's great for reading, great for writing, anything that requires your concentration. The results speak for themselves. I've got hundreds of satisfied customers. Go check out their comments at mtcb.pwop.com. That's mtcb.pwop.com. .NET Rocks, episode 1187, with guest Jeremy Clark. Recorded Friday, August 21st, 2015. Hey, guess what? It's time for .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And uh, thanks for being here with us today. Jeremy Clark is here. We're going to have a great talk with him. And uh, I've been up to my ears in music. It's not, it's rare that I do that, but, you know, every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> it's not that rare, but yep. it, uh, you've been working. Uh, the new song is pretty awesome, dude. It's pretty cool. And yeah. you've sort of only heard it over Skype, but uh, this uh, I'll send you the latest mix. Yep. I had all of the horns redo their parts and oh, we nice. did vocals and stuff. Well, you know, I have the secret called Stash. Yeah. Of mix downs of your music that I don't think most people realize. Like I, I must have eight versions of London Blues and yeah, right, and a whole bunch of uh, uh, No Time. Like, and I like listening to them. I love listening to the evolution of one of your songs. It's so much fun, and I love the technology that's around the studio stuff today too. It's fun. Yeah. All right. Well, enough about that. What have you been up to, my friend? I've just been hammering away at uh, trying to enjoy the end of summer. You know, it's uh, this is it's coming into September now, and trying to you know get a little barbecuing in and smoking some meat and just trying to have some fun because the fall conference season is completely crazy frantic. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm really excited about Tech Intersection in Monterey uh, in September, and then the two Dev Intersections in October, one in Amsterdam and one in, in Vegas, and things are going super well. But it, it's a lot of work. It's hundreds and hundreds of emails. Uh-huh. Wow, I, I don't, I don't uh, envy you, but you know, uh, on the smoker thing, I'm getting a smoker next year. But I've been told that there's a more healthy alternative to smoking meat now. Oh, vaping, vaping meat. <laughs> I vaped a ham. <laughs> don't smoke meat, vape it. Anyway, let's roll the crazy music because I got something fun for you today. Awesome. <laughs> All right, buddy, what do you got? A little ways back, we were talking with Julie Lerman when I went up to Vermont. Yeah. And she was talking about uh, interpolated strings, string interpolation. Oh, yeah, this new uh, function in the .NET framework. Yeah, and also in JavaScript or ECMAScript 6, I should say. And uh, so I went and took a look at it, and it's pretty cool. If you go to tinyurl.com slash net6string... Because that's the only thing that was remotely available at tiny URL. It's close. It's close. Net six string, and that's just N E T, the number six in string. So the basic idea is that this is a way to construct strings using, I mean, you're used to sort of string formatting stuff that you, you're already doing oh, sure. where you put things in curly braces. This just kicks it up a notch. So, um, you can essentially use, in uh inside of a string inside curly braces expressions you know from your objects from from c sharp from vb whatever you want yep and put a dollar sign on, to the left of it and this stuff just magically works and I, I i got to thinking about it you know it looks very you know uh what's the word opulent like a like a luxury man's uh, very luxurious it's very luxurious there's nothing wrong with that either right because you know what it is it's very clear what's going on well that's it i I thought about so many times that i've done so much code just to you know construct a string and you gotta decode it when you're trying to figure out what the heck you did and once it's constructed you're done with it it's not like it's gonna stick around you know it's like ah easy totally true yeah wait a second did you just do a better know a framework on the framework? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's Holy crazy. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
true. Well, there hasn't, you know, been anything all that interesting lately. So, you know, the framework's been pretty mature, but here you go. New features as of 2015. Um, that's cool. Very, very cool. So check it out. Know it, learn it, love it. Tinyurl.com slash net six string. Awesome. Hey, who's talking to us, Richard? Hey, I grabbed a comment off of show 1088, the one we did a while back with John Sanmez. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, always generates a ton of conversation. Uh, and, th- and, and which John always participates in too. And I appreciate yeah, that. Definitely. And this particular comment's a, a lighthearted one, but I thought it was really interesting in a sense that Christopher Aldridge says, Hey, this is a great show and podcast. And I especially enjoyed the references like, damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not a torpedo technician. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you said that. That's you. Oh, my my line is, damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not an actor. <laughs> now, just... DeForest Kelly was a very successful Western actor. Yeah, he was. Before he got stuck in that role. <laughs> Seriously though, have I you think... seen what Je- have you seen what uh, Patrick Stewart is doing lately? Oh my god, what he's like on stage doing uh, Broadway f- comedy musicals in the UK. What? Yeah, I love it. What is? Th- oh, come on, really? The guy can oh, do anything he wants. You're right? killing me. He, anything he wants, he can <laughs> yeah. do at this point. All I always right. like this explanation of X Men. Is like if Shakespeare had been alive today he'd be making x-men movies okay right like that that you know the kind of movie the kind of plays he made in his time were popular uh you know pulp uh plays and and it's so that everybody he, was a hell of a lot smarter back then that's all i, think. I don't think any of that's actually true <laughs> maybe they sounded smarter anyway <laughs> these and thousand thighs and <laughs> All right, back to Christopher's comment here. He says, seriously, though, I think in an ever-changing industry where the technology approach or methods is usually, quote, it depends. If you want to stay ahead, you have to develop yourself as a developer. I like that line. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Develop yourself. It's easy to get into a comfort zone because we are sought after skill, at least until 3D printers replace cheap labor and the workforce hopefully all successfully transitions to information workers. But that being said, it's way more fun to continually learn and play with new technologies. Thanks for sharing the curiosity with free, great resources like simpleprogrammer.com, that's John's site, and .NET Rocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to learn. What he said. Keep moving along. Thanks, Christoph. Uh, we appreciate you a lot. Glad you're listening. And I'll uh, send you out a .NET Rocks mug. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of the social media that we post to, because we put up every show to Facebook and Google+. Plus. If you comment there, we'll read it on the show and send you a mug. Also, you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. We, uh, we read our tweet stream carefully and, you know, earnestly. And before we go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight is home to the largest technology and creative training library on the planet. They have thousands of developer, IT, and creative courses authored by MVPs and industry experts. They release dozens of new courses every month and offer a 10-day free trial, giving you 200 minutes of access. Pluralsight offers a wide range of topics, including iOS, Java, Android, web development, pretty much anything and everything on the Microsoft stack. So try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And that brings us to our guest today, Jeremy Clark. He makes developers better. By drawing on over 15 years of experience in application development, Jeremy helps developers take a step up in their skill set with a focus on making complex topics approachable regardless of skill level. He is a Microsoft MVP for .NET and has authored seven courses for Pluralsight, including C-Sharp Interfaces, a course aimed at giving developers a clear understanding of abstraction. Jeremy lives in Southern California with two cats and a banjo. Isn't that a line from a our house is a very, very, very fine house with two cats and a banjo. No? No. No? I was close, though. Welcome, Jeremy. It's great to be here. And I'm still trying to think about how to vape a ham. So, <laughs> Well, it's better than juicing a ham, to you quote should, John Panette. Uh, you should yeah, see okay. the pipe. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Juicing a ham, yeah. That's it. That's it. So we were out in Detroit uh, at the Quicken Loans Conference and sitting around and having a beer out on the beach in the middle of the city, which is a unique experience. The beach in Detroit. Yeah. Such as it is, yeah. It's pretty cool. And um, you were talking about these experiences that you've had trying to draw developers out of their shell 
because we are sort of an introverted, half introverted, half extroverted creature. I just thought it was a great story. Maybe it's a good place to start. A lot of it was also drawing me out of my shell because, you know, I kind of fall into that stereotypical introvert that likes computers too. Mm. You know, there's definitely something true about that stereotype. And uh, it, it makes a little more sense if we think about introverts and extroverts is not like the difference between shy and outgoing. Yeah. Those are just kind of external manifest manifestations. But it's really introverts get their energy from within themselves and extroverts get their energy from outside of themselves. And so we just interact with the world differently. Now, it is possible to be both, I suppose. It is a spectrum, right? You You sort of are on either side of the number line, so to speak. Like there are times when uh, I I want solely to rely on energy inside, and then there are times when I require you know being social. You know, so yeah, I, I guess I, there we can be both. There's definitely a need for uh, social interaction. You know, we're all humans after all. But you know, I kind of you know all everything I talk about is anecdotal. It's just kind of my observations over the last six years or so mm. uh, since I've been involved in the developer community. And when people see me, you know, I, I speak a lot at events and I'm extremely dynamic on stage, but that's not my real life. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also when I'm talking to other developers, I will go up and talk to them just because of, uh, again, kind of what I've discovered, you know, so kind of my eye-opening experience was, um, it was actually kind of my first year when I got involved in the developer community, uh, which wasn't that long ago. It's just back in 2010. And I was at the SoCal Code Camp in Los Angeles, and it was taking place at USC. So it's a beautiful campus. And at lunchtime, you know, I get my tacos and I'm looking at the scene before me. And what I see is a big grassy quad with developers by themselves just kind of scattered across the grass. <laughs> and, you know, quite honestly, that was my my first instinct, too. I'm like, well, you know, I'll just find somewhere quiet to eat because that's my nature. Right. But it just seeing so many people doing this at the same time, it, there was like a little bit of a comedic aspect to it. And I'm, I'm just like, you know what? I can't. Just let this go. Especially when you're at a code camp or something, you know, you're at an event where there are right. lots of other people that you don't know that there are possibilities for networking. You know? And that's the whole point of going to these events. You know, I can get all of this information online, right? I can right. watch YouTube presentations of people doing doing exactly the same topics, but it's really that developer interaction that makes going to places in person, uh, you know, so beneficial. So, you know, I'm looking at the scene and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do something a little different. And this was way outside my comfort zone. <laughs> Nobody had to convince you then. You just found it inside yourself to. I- I'm just like, I have to do something different because this is just, you know, I can't just be another one of these people sitting by themselves. Yeah. And so I kind of looked around and I-, I found someone who didn't look too odd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how it is. You kind of like, just saying, uh, yeah, you know, and that you know, at a developer event, that's, that's really difficult. I don't think anyone would ever come up and sit with me. Oddness is a virtue, looking. uh, in the developer community. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I found someone and I'm like, do you mind if I join you? And, uh, I've, I've yet to have someone turn me away when I ask that. So I, I just rely on the politeness of people. Right. So uh, I, I sit down and join them and we start talking. And an interesting thing happened. More developers came up and joined us. You know, and it was just kind of like one at a time, someone else would come up and they'd sit down and kind of listen to the conversation for a little while. It's kind of like and, the laws of gravity, right? You know, yeah. two, two bodies get close together and then they suck in a whole bunch of others. <laughs> you know, and then people would slowly get comfortable and join the conversation. And by the time lunchtime was over, there were like two circles of eight people each. And I wasn't even looking at the guy that I originally sat down with because these circles had just formed around us. Wow. And that that was a really eye-opening experience because that made me start thinking, you know what? Developers, they like to talk. They just don't like to start the conversation. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Jeremy, you and I were just at that conference a few weeks back. Uh, that's Alan Stevens' magic. Yeah. 
Alan Stevens always seems he you know he runs these open spaces and he has a knack for starting a conversation and then getting out of the way. Yep. Right. Over it's not it's not just starting it but not having to be a part of it either. Yeah, and that's actually what I found in a lot of other environments, you know, so kind of the first time I went to this this user group that I hadn't been there before. Again, I kind of walk in the door, there's a couple people there, and my first instinct is, well, let me just kind of fade into the background until sure. someone comes up and talks to me. And, you know, again, kind of, I had that, you know what, I can't be doing that, I need to do something different. Went up, started a conversation with someone, you know, and it's it's easy to do, and the most terrifying thing you will do at the same time. <laughs> right. Think about it, you're doing you know, everybody a service, you're breaking the ice, you know, you're sort of leading the way, leading the charge. Yeah. And what I found is people really welcome that. You know, if you walk up and say, you know, hello, my name's Jeremy, uh, that's just uh, a huge, uh, you can almost see relief on some people's faces where it's like, oh, social interaction that I'm not starting. Good. (laughs) You know, (laughs) nobody will accuse me of starting this uh, little discussion here. And and the funny thing is, I've seen this over and over again, because the first question I ask is kind of the natural, what do you do? And I think probably a good six times out of 10, the answer is, I'm a programmer. And I'm kind of like, okay, we're at a developer user group. I pretty <laughs> yeah. much assume that already. <laughs> what were the odds? Can you be a little more explicit? <laughs> I'm a f- programmer. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> so usually my my next question which i always follow up is you know what technologies do you use you know are you using are you doing mobile desktop web programming and you know what languages are you working in yeah. and uh you know like you said about kind of starting the conversation and getting out of the way that's really what i've seen happen over and over because again i'll start a conversation with this one person at a user group more people kind of come up and join and, you know, eventually there's, you know, five or six people standing around talking and nobody's really driving the conversation at that point, right? We're all just yeah. kind of interacting with each other. I found that there's a magic five word phrase that is, it sort of opens the door and doesn't assume anything and doesn't require that somebody define themselves. It's, what are you working on? You know, because that, that sort of gives them something definite that they can talk about. That doesn't pigeonhole them, you know, like what kind of develop, you know, what kind of developer are you? Oh, I'm a yeah. Microsoft. Oh, you're a Microsoft developer, right. you know? There's no it's judgment like, there. There's no judgment. No, what all. are you working on? It's because- also not about them per se, right? Now they're talking about something they've done. Right. Yeah. I'm going to have to add that phrase to my list now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot, Carl. That's that's a that's a winner. Yeah, that's my go-to phrase when I'm meeting people, meeting new people at conferences. Because, you know, Richard and I meet a lot of people. And that's, uh, it's, it's disarming. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's, again, it's terrifying the first time you do it, but it does get easier and it's natural to me now. Uh, you know, so, uh, I was really paying attention at that conference, you know, again, like Richard said, we were there a little while ago. And, uh, because I'd already talked to you about, you know, this, this topic, which is very, you know, very near and dear to my heart. I was paying extra special attention at that conference to kind of see, well, how am I interacting with people? How are people interacting with each other? And, uh, I saw a lot of my past there. (laughs) (laughs) And what I mean by that is when I was a, a junior programmer, uh, when I kind of just started programming professionally, I don't want to say young programmer because I was actually 29 when I actually got into the professional field. Uh, they, the company I worked for would send us to conferences that were relevant to our technology, which was great. It was an awesome learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I hadn't discovered how to get outside of myself, you know, in a confident way, I guess you'd say. Yeah. So like mealtimes at conferences were the most terrifying thing to me. Because I'd walk into the banquet room and there's just all of these tables. <laughs> yeah. And you yeah. have to make that decision. Uh, what do I do? It's like, I don't want to go sit down at an empty table by myself because that looks a little pathetic. But how do I pick where I should sit? You know, there's a 
you, sometimes there's a group of, of people there that you see there's an active conversation and you think, oh, well, that will be easy to get into. You know, I can just kind of stay in the background. Mm. And then you find out they all work for the same company right. and they're talking about work. And people like, well, they that's know. not very productive. Yeah. And yeah, then I found, the, the, I found tech ed tables are particularly hard because you never know if you're going to meet IT people, developer people, people who are business people that have secrets they can't share, blah, blah, blah. So that's when I usually get intimidated. Yeah. And, and I don't mind meeting other types of people. You know, I, I've talked to PAs and um, developer managers. I've had some great conversations with folks when they can talk, mm. uh, you know. And then the other tables that I usually, I don't know how I ended up at this all the time because it's easy to go sit at a table that has like two people who are already talking. Right. Yeah. And so I go up and sit down and they're like talking in Swedish, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now you're committed, right? You set your yeah, plate down. If you get up and walk away, you're going to offend them. Yeah. You can't just get up and walk <laughs> away, you know? And that's not to say anything against Swedish. No, nope, <laughs> you know, but you don't I'll, speak it. Yeah. I'll give a shout out to my friend Philip right now. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it was just terrifying to me. That was my least favorite time of the conference was having to go to lunch. <laughs> and so I was actually, I actually took pictures at that conference. So I actually have a couple of pictures. I'm going to be posting them on my blog uh, fairly shortly. But when I would go into breakfast in the morning, I just took some pictures of the tables to see kind of uh, how people are oriented, you know, and I just went through one of those pictures and counted up that there were 19 tables that had one person at them. Wow. Mm. How and, and there were 18 tables that had more than one person at them. Okay. Wow, so, so yeah. So it, it was interesting. Just again, there, it's just, uh, you know, I don't want to commit to something. And so let me just sit by myself. If someone comes up and joins me, that's fine. But I don't want to start that conversation. Yeah. So you, you put together a, a talk about this um, that uh, you, you go and speak about now? Or is this just stuff that you're musing on? This is probably going to be a talk in the very near future, yeah. just because I find myself talking about it so much. Uh, you know, so I did a blog article on this back in December, and that's kind of where I, you know, put my thoughts down in a coherent way and, and really started analyzing it more. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think it would be a good talk just to say, you know what, here's how to get started because it's not that hard. You know, you, you, know you, you say it's not that hard and we're like, yeah, of course it's not that hard. But, you know, we forget that for some people, we're talking real crippling fear here. Like it's, uh, it's an irrational. Yes. And you know what? That's me. But it's there. That's totally me. That's the way I started. Right. It's possible to get over that. Uh, there's, there's some memes floating around the internet of like growing up shy. I don't know if you've seen any of, any of these, mm -hmm. but there's things on there like, um, uh, where there'll be a little phrase that says like preparing to say here when the teacher calls your name at roll call. <laughs> right. Nice. <laughs> totally. That's the way I am. You know, it's yeah. like, I'm waiting for my name. Okay. What am I going to say? Okay. Is my voice clear? You know, and <laughs> am I going to swallow it? Yeah. That's the way I am. So breaking out of this was difficult. Yeah. Now it is, well, I'll say it, it's easy for me in some environments than others because I'm pretty active in the Southern California development community. And so I know a lot of people now just because I've seen them at enough events over the last five and a half years mm. that I've developed some relationships. But, you know, like going to that conference, it's like, well, this is my first time in Wisconsin and I don't, I know some of the speakers here. And which was nice because I knew probably about uh, 10 people that I talked to before. So there were some familiar faces, but, you know, I didn't know the other 800 people that were there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another thing that I find interesting is I never know which conversations will develop into something more. Right. So um, an experience I had at that conference, you know, the first day at breakfast, uh, I sat down with this guy, John Strobel, who I'd never known before. And I find out he works in, he uh, lives and works in Ohio and he works for Progressive Insurance. And, uh, you know, we had a great conversation at that breakfast, but we ended up kind of running into each other throughout the rest of the week. Mm. And on Wednesday, the last day of the conference, 
I was kind of on the hallway track that day. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the know? hallway track. I love yeah, that track. Know, it's was, a great I track. Was, <laughs> it's an awesome track. Yeah. You know, again, one of the reasons to go there is to talk to people. Right. And, uh, you know, he's one of the people that I talked to, you know, probably during an entire one hour time slot that was there. And so um, I find it interesting, you know, that I end up talking to a lot of people and I kind of am surprised at where things develop from there. Yeah. I, 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 I want to get back to this, but um, the the aspect of the things that hold you back, right? And if we could touch on some of those things, like some, what are some of the things that go through your head that sort of keep you in your seat and keep you quiet? You know, I, I like to think back, I think of, uh, you know, well, what if somebody gets mad at me or what if some, what if I say, may I sit here and they say no. And the fact is there are rules of etiquette that if somebody, you know, if I say, you know, can I join you? And someone gives me a look and is nasty. I mean, that's them being rude. That's not you being rude, right? Yeah, definitely fear of rejection is a huge thing, you know. And again, especially when, um, again, I'm, I'm going to kind of stereotype introverts. But again, we spend most of our times kind of internally. And so when we do put ourselves out there, if something goes wrong we just have a tendency to shrink back, you know, so right. there is definitely a fear of rejection that's out there. Mm. Uh, but what I've found is, you know, I would say probably about nine times out of 10, the conversations that I start keep going. Yeah. And I've gotten to the point where if it gets a little awkward and, um, you know, I, I feel like, well, this person doesn't really want to talk to me. I'm okay with that now. I think because I've done it enough times. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm known for talking to people in the lunch line. <laughs> so that's what I do. I don't even wait to get yeah, to the table. Yeah. I'll talk to you while we're waiting for whatever kind of awesome food we're about to eat. So I'll talk to, you know, maybe the person in front of me. Uh, again, kind of start the, hi, I'm Jeremy. What do you do? Kind of a thing. And if they don't seem real interested in talking, I'll turn around to the person behind me and say, hey, I'm Jeremy. <laughs> you yeah, know, right. what are you doing? <laughs> and, I, you know, I really ran into this in the registration line. So at that conference at the registration line, I was there for like an hour, <laughs> mm -hmm. which, which gave me a lot of time to meet people, you know, and I would start a conversation with someone and then it kind of turned out that they were there with some coworkers and their families. And so they were all kind of, you know, talking about their um, you know, kind of day-to-day -day friendship kind of thing. So I didn't really want to inject myself into that. So turn around, talk to somebody else. And just because of the way that the lines moved, I think I was going backwards in the line at, at one point. <laughs> but <laughs> I talked to like 10 different people uh, that uh, that I met brand new. And I'm really bad at names. So, right. <laughs> and just to show you how bad I am at names, I usually tell people I need to meet you five times before I remember. Ah, five. That's <laughs> five. <laughs> I know it's a big no, number. No, Richard's shocked because he can't <laughs> Is not that too low? <laughs> he can't not forget names. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, I have a friend that just knows everybody. And I'm like, how do you keep that all in your head? Yeah. You know, I worked at the Disneyland Resort for many years. And, you know, we would just kind of walk across the the site. And, you know, she would just say, hey, Joe, how's your son Steve doing? And I'm like, how do you know that guy? <laughs> <laughs> and how do you know he has a son? Right. So there, there are definitely people who have that naturally. I need to work on it as a skill. It can turn out to be a game. Um, uh, my wife uh, is a is a waitress, and she prides herself on remembering her customers and what they order. And you never write stuff down like it's a memory game. Working is a memory game for her, and she rakes in the tips too. It's just <laughs> ridiculous because you know somebody will come in once. And just sit there in the corner and, you know, and she'll come up to you again and say, you know, two poached eggs, uh, rye toast, dry, and uh, corned beef hash, right? <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> and she'll re tell, you know, talk to them in, with their name because she read it off the credit card the last time. It's That's really pretty impressive. Really uncanny. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is? Ah, uh, must be that happy time again. Yep. It's time to announce my new 12-step program for compulsive talkers. <laughs> it's called 
on and on and on. Nah. No? <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> it's actually time to give away a Developer Express de-experience subscription to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. Learn more and download your free 30-day trial at devexpress.com slash superhero. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Well, today's winner, Richard, is Emil Ingerself from Denmark. Congratulations, Emil. Golf clap for you, sir. I hear the clappers. Yeah. Clappers, golf clap for Emil. And Emil just won the D-Experience subscription from Developer Express, a big pile of awesome from them. And if you don't know what we're doing, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. Every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member chosen at random. But you got to sign up to win. We also like to ask our guest, Jeremy, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology, what would you buy? This is really hard for me, and I don't know why. I guess I'm not a gadget person. You know, I, I saw a lot of really cool IoT stuff recently, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know what? I can use some of that to integrate with the home automation software that I've got homebrewed at my house. But I'm thinking, you know what? I can probably get started with that for a couple hundred bucks. So it'd be kind of hard pressed to spend five thousand dollars on, you know, Raspberry Pi twos and sensors. There's a lot of Raspberry Pi. Oh, no, yeah, that'll, that's a that'll lot. That'll buy you. F- that'll buy you a, a smart toilet roll holder. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing is, I live in an apartment, so I don't want to improve the property too much. Yeah, right. right. So Good. I think, uh, like, something that. I, I would love to have, but probably won't spend the money on myself, would be to have, I guess you'd call it a big-ass NAS. Nice. So Big-ass uh, you know, NAS. Like, is that a technical term? Yeah, I think it is, because I've got a whole bunch of DVDs, and it's just because I really like story and kind of analyzing different stories, so I, I collect movies and TV shows as part of that, in addition to a lot of books. Hmm. But I thought it would be really cool to digitize all of those, but you would need a lot of storage for that. So I was looking at like the Western Digital My Cloud, mm-hmm. which isn't that much. It's only $350, but it's got four drive bays. And if I load those up with six terabyte drives. Mm. <laughs> I think you're aiming too low here, Jeremy. Yep. We could get you four 16 terabyte SSDs from Samsung. And you could use uh, Windows Server, as Richard told me. You can use Windows Server to just make a, a dynamic array that doesn't require, you know, RAID and all that stuff. It does RAID, but it's smart. You can just start at add, keep adding disk to it like Windows Home Server used to do. Yeah, I, I'm uh, thinking too small. Yeah, you guys are <laughs> don't worry. Right. I'm really good at spending your money. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, feel free to spend all of it because that still <laughs> gets me up to like fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, wow. you know, so. a thousand for the chassis and thousand bucks a drive. We just have to get big enough drives. Actually, I think terabyte. those six this, those Samsung sixteen terabytes were just announced. They were and sixteen terabytes of SSD. I think they're about twelve grand. Yeah, and SSDs oh, don't geez. work so well in this kind of dynamic RAID stuff. This is what I've heard. It just well, uses them more as, than it needs as to. As a media server, you don't really need something, you know, too high performance. Right. Yeah. But, and yet, so much fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking that if I went kind of the cheap route with the money I left had left over, I could like hire an intern to actually go ahead and rip all my DVDs. There, <laughs> there you go. go. Right. Now you're thinking. Yeah. Love it. You can, you can get a lot of, I, I have been working with an assistant for the past year and it has made a difference. You know, it's a, a lot of stuff. It's all that stuff that's important but not urgent right. is getting done. So to get back to this topic, um, I found that another good way to help you get yourself up off your butt and talking to people is if you promise yourself that you're only going to listen. Like you're not going to focus on yourself because you tell your story so many times and nobody wants to go around telling, just talking about themselves all the time. 
But it's like, you know what? I'm going to go up to this person here and ask them, what are you doing? And when they say, what do you do? Say, oh, I'm a programmer, but I'm really interested in blah, 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 right? And if you keep the focus on other people, you know, that's a good way to psych yourself up into getting a conversation going. And then, you know, maybe when you're more comfortable, you can share your own details. Yeah. And I, I found that that's listening is kind of, again, kind of the first natural step for yeah. developers. They'll see a conversation going and they'll just go up and listen. You know, I'm just going to eavesdrop for a while before I feel comfortable diving in. I've started, um, her, I, I don't know what the right word is. Maybe harassing is the right word. <laughs> but <laughs> if I'm uh, talking with a group of people, like at a registration area at a code camp, and I see someone kind of creep up to the circle, I will just grab them by both lapels and drag them in. You know, <laughs> be like, oh, hi, I'm Jeremy. What's your name? What do you do? So right. rather than letting them, you know, just kind of stand there awkwardly, I'll actively engage them to try to bring them into the conversation rather than just you know, letting them stand there. And that's why it's good to remember names, you know, especially even if it's the only first name, you can just say, oh, you know, Jeannie, do you know Mark? Uh, he's working on blah, blah, blah. And now you've connected those two and and you've uh, widened the circle. Do you want to know something really kind of scary? Because again, I'm not that social person, but I've had experiences where I, I think the first time this happened to me was at a San Diego code camp. You know, and I was sitting at a table that was like at the speaker dinner. Mm -hmm. And so these were all people that I had knew from various places. And there were some people who came in from the Bay Area and a couple people who came in from Phoenix and a couple people who are local in San Diego. And me, I'm a little north of that. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting around just kind of assuming that everybody knows everybody. You know, and oh, then right. as soon as someone says, oh, by the way, I'm so-and-so, I'm like, oh, you guys don't know each other. And it turns out I'm the one person at the table that can do the introductions. Right. And the first time that happened to me, I was like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Uh. And I had the same thing happen to me up at the last MVP summit. There was um, a, a little dinner for uh, plural site author and potential plural site authors. And I'm sitting at the table and I was the one person who kind of knew everybody who was sitting there. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, oh, this is Matt. He used to live in Phoenix and he works for Microsoft now. Oh, and this is Deborah. She lives in the Bay Area. And it, it was just such a strange experience to think that I've, I'm that guy now. Right. You know, <laughs> it's like, I'm not that guy. How did I become that guy? And it, it was just unintentional from talking to people, but the benefits of talking to people is I just can't estimate it because as a, you know, someone in technology, I can know a very, very, very small amount of technology that's out there, right? Because mm -hmm. there's just too much. But every time I talk to a developer that's using a technology that I'm not using, now I end up with some more insight into that world. So, for example, I'm not in the Angular world right now just because I'm not a JavaScript programmer. I'm not doing, you know, front-end web development. But I know a lot of people who are in that world. Right. And I've heard enough of, you know, here's what this tool is good for and here's what it's not so great at that I feel like I have all of these touch points into technologies that I'm not actively using. So if I have a problem that comes up in the future, it's like, oh, I can go talk to Matt. He'll know all about that. Mm. Yeah. Well, and there is this idea of being a good connector. You know, just that you, you are someone who's made a lot of connections to a lot of different folks and you can help make other connections as well. Maybe it's just in a social dynamic, but it also can be very important in a work dynamic too, that you may not know everything, but you know enough people that you can generally answer an awful lot of questions with just connecting them with the right folks. Speaking right. of that, speaking of Julie Lerman, who uh, I talked about in the, in the beginning, she's wonderful at that. And uh, I don't know how she does it, but I was very impressed that she was able to, uh, you know who you really got to meet? I mean, anyone she talks to, she'll talk to you for five minutes and then say, you know, I really got to introduce you to my friend, blah, 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 because you two, yada, yada. And uh, nine times out of 10, it's it's a good connection. Nice. Yeah. It's, yeah a, it, it's definitely a skill unto itself. And, you know, you talk about making promises to yourself. That's another one, right? It's not just I'm going to engage a few people and get to know them, but also 
I should make a couple of connections here too. Like making a conscious effort to think, to understand someone's problem well enough to know how to help them. Well, and you make sort a of, connection. Right. You sort of add social value to your friends that way, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, I mean, it, it's kind of a weird economics way to look at friendship, but, uh, you do add value because you're the person that knows all these people. And, you know, when, when you need somebody X or Y or skill or whatever, they may come to you. I totally agree. I think it's really, really powerful stuff and another whole aspect of this social dynamic in a development community. Yeah. Not just about talking to people, but where it leads you and the things that it can do for you. Yeah, definitely. And I think that as, you know, as a speaker, you know, I'm a little more prominent in the developer community. And so I kind of take that responsibility a little more seriously because there are people you know, usually after I speak, who will come up and talk to me, right? And they'll actually start the conversation or ask a question and whatnot, and then engage me, you know, kind of through the rest of the event. But, uh, you know, when I go somewhere that I've never been before, right, and people don't know who I am, they're like, well, we don't know who you are, you're just some guy. And then after I speak, I'll have different interactions with people because now it's, you know, some people who might have heard my presentation or heard about it. And so now there's a different dynamic going. So it's, it's interesting to try to leverage both types of interactions. Mm-hmm. So if you can give one piece of advice to somebody who finds themselves in that situation, the first thing that you do, the first thing that you think of, what, what's the go-to, uh, what's your magic sauce? You're not going to die. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Because you, you know, your irrational fear tells me I'm going to die if I, I get up. Something horrible is going to happen. Yeah. And again, that's how I felt kind of the first couple times I did this. It was just so hard. But after you do it a few times, what you'll find is that you will have those positive experiences come out. You will have those positive interactions. You will have the occasional one, again, that kind of peters out. But I've never had anyone yell at me or hit me yet. Never been pepper sprayed? (laughs) Not pepper sprayed. That's a whole other dynamic at conference. Who brought the taco? But see, here's the thing. I only do this at conferences. I don't do it in the airport, right? Right. Yeah, right. So this is a very compartmentalized part of my life because when I'm at a developer event, I have something in common with everybody who's there. And a lot of that is just, I'm interested in technology and I'm interested in improving myself. So, you know, just from the get-go, we know we have something in common before we even start speaking. You know, um, long time ago, Don Kiley was a guest on the show and he used to be on a lot more. Uh, in the earlier days, I don't know why we haven't had him on a while. He's uh, up in Alaska. And he recommended going to Toastmasters meetings. And Toastmasters is a club where it's all about public speaking and getting over shyness and stuff. And, you know, there is another sort of whole level of uh existential fear when it comes to public speaking forget about speaking to two or three people but a whole group you know it yeah, gets amplified yeah. and um I, I i i suppose that's good i mean i've never done toastmasters but then again i've been a performer since i was a little kid so so you know and i do remember that fear of getting up and singing in front of people and them looking at you with their beady eyes and what are they thinking and stuff, you know, it drives you crazy. But Toastmasters, that's a, that's a good idea. Would you, you recommend public speaking in general to uh, anyone who wants to try to get over this? Um, I've never recommended it as a way to get over this fear of interaction, but mm. I do recommend it to a lot of developers just because we all have something to share. Right. There's, there's always that moment in our career when we're doing something and we're like, Oh, I wish someone had told me about that before. Yeah. And you know what? You're not alone. Do a talk on that. And so I recommend that people, you know, sign up for a local code camp and in, mm-hmm. in SoCal, it's pretty easy because we have a lot of space. So basically, if you sign up, you get in and then you're talking to your peers. Again, people who are also interested in technology and nobody's rooting for you to fail. Right. Right. So no, they're actually it, highly motivated to get that knowledge out of you. Right. 
Right. So I, I usually, I often recommend people, you know what, you need to speak at least once. And mm -hmm. I've had people who have done that. And, uh, you know, if they're speaking at an event I'm going to be at, I definitely go and, and support them as much as I can. And, uh, you know, I found some people who are like, well, you know what, this isn't for me. And it's like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. And I've found other people who are like, that was so awesome. I need to do this more. Right. And that was my experience. You know, again, you, you guys have heard my story <laughs> of, uh, you know, signing up to speak at that first code camp based on getting a little push from .NET Rocks many years ago. Yes. And at that first event, I was terrified. And but I was also very well prepared. I was probably over prepared because I was so terrified. And my talks went amazingly well, you know, way better than I was expecting for first talks. I got some great feedback from the people who came and I was hooked after that first time. I'm like, I need to figure out how to do this more. You know, and I, I was kind of looking at my schedule. I've done 22 events so far this year. So apparently I really like doing that. <laughs> Yeah, you're clearly smitten with the process now. And I would also say, like, there's one thing to be hooked on public speaking, which I totally get. I mean, everybody in this show is clearly addicted. But <laughs> um, having the skill, even if it's work, is useful in your career, for that matter. Being able to communicate information functionally. Right. So yes. it's not debilitating that you're, it's not painful. Like if you actually want to be persuasive, how do you get budget for a project? How do you make a proposal? Like this is a useful skill one way or the other. Um, th and it's a difference between that basic skill and contributing to your community. Cause there's lots of ways to contribute to communities. I've met plenty of fine folks that work very hard in the community to make it bigger, but are not speakers. You know, they're organizers or they're writers. Oh, yeah, you definitely. Know, there's a lot of ways to put info out there and, and to be part of the community. It doesn't have to be speaking. But I think speaking is one of those staple things for any career that's useful, whether you get the high that we all get or not. We were talking about the fears, you know, the the statements that run through your mind that the tape players are, you know, the MP3 players that run on repeat in your head. One of them you mentioned was, you know, fear of rejection. Okay, that's fine. But fear of saying something wrong and being corrected in public, that's got to be a big one. And that actually you, is a big one, yes. You get over that because you realize that, you know what, I may get things wrong. I'm a human being, but, you know, and people correct you. Most people will correct you politely if you're polite and you are you know, earnest and all of that. Sometimes they don't correct you politely, but you'll still learn from it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I guess there's a, there is a thickening of the skin that has to happen, I suppose. But it's also, uh, falling on your knees and begging forgiveness too, right? Like, yeah. don't present errors. You only make the situation worse. That's so I mean, true, Richard. You know, I'm, and I'm, I'm referring to my friend Carl Franklin. I'm not going to bother to cite any given case, but I have <laughs> seen you on the occasions. We've worked together for 10 years. Yep. There's, a, there's a couple of them where you have made a mistake, not realized at the time, brought to your attention, realized it was a significant mistake and simply apologized yep. and held, held nothing back. And you know what happens after that? It passes. Yeah. And you fix the problem and you move on. It's just yep. not that big a deal. Yeah. But they're, they're, the trap you get into is putting on airs after. Right. You know, that, that can be, it, it's the stuff and uh, these, these pain points end quickly when embraced honestly. And, you know, when you say, when you say something wrong, you're going to learn. Like there isn't a faster way to learn than to present a bunch of information to a group of people. Yeah. And, you know, especially if you're, if you have a sort of interactive audience and you encourage them to, uh, you know, someone might correct you or, or, you know, add something to uh, give you another dimension to talk about. That is immediate and wonderful feedback that you can then incorporate into, uh, your, your presentation or your speech the next time. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of my experience is because I'm a slow thinker. So if someone asks me a question in a, a presentation that I'm not, I haven't looked into before, I won't try to just make something up because I know I'll probably be wrong because I need to think about it some more. Yep. And so those usually turn into blog articles later and those turn into some of the best articles that I have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, but don't let not knowing everything stop you from sharing what you do know. Right, absolutely. Well, it's easy to forget what you know 
you know, yeah. until, until you're reminded of it or, you know, actually start talking. It's like, actually, I know some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There is the, the, the thing that we've talked about before on the show is that developers certainly do devalue what they know. And I think we're all guilty of it to some point, you know, no matter what you do, if it's comfortable, it doesn't seem like you're working at it and therefore it may not, must not be valuable. But, you know, those are the things that, that come easy to you that you've worked for that are valuable because it doesn't come easy to everybody. Right. And that might be one of the reasons why I talk about, you know, this topic of talking to people and meet new people because it was something that was very difficult for me to get started with. But once I got started with it and saw the benefits, it's like, wow, you know what? I need to share this with as many people who are probably as scared as I was when I first started. Very good. Hey, uh, any last minute things that you want to shout out or, or call attention to before we wrap it up? Jeremy? Well, there, there is just one thing. This is actually something I ran across this week. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to like completely screw up her name. I think it's Kim Kaletsky. Okay. And, uh, she has, she's wrote an article, uh, on her blog. And, uh, actually, I'm not sure if it's her blog, but there's a blog called Quiet Rev- Revolution. And she has a quote that's part of this. I declared a new life goal. Never apologize for all of my quiet again. So she was actually told by her boss that being quiet in meetings was detrimental to her career. And so, you know, I don't want people to feel like if you don't have this quality or you don't try to break out of this particular mindset that you're going to be a failure because that's definitely not the case. And I think one of the biggest things that we can do is just be comfortable with ourselves. And so if you find out, you know what, I'm not comfortable talking to new people this way, don't feel like it's a character flaw. You know, again, I try to encourage people to do it just because I've gotten so much benefit out of it personally. But if that's not you, that's okay. Kim's blog is quietrev.com, Quiet Revolution. Very cool. Jeremy, thanks so much. This has been great. And I'm yeah, sure, thanks for having me. And I'm sure you're uh, helping a lot of people. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter van.